Welcome to episode 20 of the Everyday Expertise podcast. I'm your host, Roland Martin, and I hope that today's conversation will expand your knowledge. Today, I welcome Jamie Schantz to the show. Jamie works for a company that provides design, consulting, and project management services to the feed and grain processing industries. Jamie works specifically on the automation side of this company and spends most of his time designing computer programs that run the automation systems that these feed mills use. So basically, Jamie's a computer programmer. I really enjoyed talking about programming with him. This term at school, I was required to take a computational physics course, which is a course that teaches us how to use computer programs in order to figure out physics problems. And the first few weeks of the course was just an introduction to basic programming. I wasn't too sure about the course before starting it. Didn't know if I would enjoy it, but I found that I really do. I enjoy how logical it is. I like that you can always predict exactly how the the computer program is going to work and what's going to happen next. And um, because of that, I, I have a little gained a little bit of knowledge and was able to better understand the things that Jamie is was talking about in this conversation. Jamie told me that people often have trouble connecting with him when he tries to when he gets too deep into describing his work and the things that he does. And I think the reason for that is because learning computer programming is a bit like learning a new language. There's lots of terminology and concepts that are not familiar to most people and not terms that we use just in our our regular life. And so because of that, if you don't have any experience with it, there might be a few things, few concepts and a few terms that we talk about that you're you're not familiar with. But uh, hopefully it'll be a chance for you to learn a lot about some of the ways that that uh, computer programs can work and the ways that they can be implemented and to uh, make systems more useful. In this conversation, Jamie talks about how he got into his current career. He talks about some of the things that the systems at, that uh, they design for feed mills work and uh, what they're supposed to do. And then we spend time talking about programming, how he approaches his creating programs and talks a bit too about the computers that these programs run on and some of the fascinating things that, that they can do. So I really hope that you'll enjoy this conversation and learn from his expertise. Welcome, Jamie, to the Everyday Expertise podcast. It's really good to have you here. It's good to be on. So, tell me, what uh, what does your life look currently, or what keeps you look like currently, or what keeps you busy these days? Um, outside of work, not a whole lot. With COVID going on, it's right. kind of, um, yeah, evenings are pretty free for the most part, and weekends, so it's pretty much just work and yeah, so tell me a little bit, what uh, what does work look like for you? What's, what are some of the things that you do? So right now we're working from home, mm-hmm. at least on, on the automation side of the company. So I usually start my day at 7, and that means walking down the hall to, <laughs> to a different room in the house. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm my day is spent almost entirely just on the computer. Okay. And it... It's hard to say what a typical day looks like. They vary quite a bit. Um, part of the, sometimes, depending if I'm like in the middle of a project or something, then most of the day is spent uh, programming, mm-hmm. writing code. <clears throat> but sometimes it's 
a lot of the day is spent troubleshooting okay. or um, working through um, code that's already been written and trying to debug or whatever, or mm -hmm. testing, okay. um, sometimes that type of thing. And, and then sometimes, too, we're out on site. So then I'll, oh, okay. I'll get out and go to whenever there's a startup of something new or anything like that implementing new code then i'll be out on site okay so, is that include like troubleshooting and things on the, yeah, yeah so some of that we can do um from like i can do from home like oh, I okay. have our, our, we have remote connection to a lot of our sites so if it's a call or whatever if you can do it from from home you will mm -hmm. but if it's any physical issue or whatever then obviously you need to be on site so. yeah are these like big projects like ones that you work on for months at a time or, yeah. yeah so or yeah like a year yeah. for a, a, a big like a mill or whatever it'll be. right or at least somebody will be and sometimes some of it is um you work on it for a while and then it might get shelved for a month okay. while you're busy doing um, like a smaller project or whatever okay. and then you come back to it yeah that type of thing so will you within a day will you be jumping between projects yeah okay so some days it's some days it's uh, between a lot of projects um and those days, it, it, sometimes it feels like you get less done. Okay. <laughs> you're yeah. jumping around, or, or your day might be interrupted by um, a call from somebody um, and you need to do some troubleshooting or okay. finding an issue. So something you so, weren't planning right. necessarily. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So usually that doesn't matter. Like it's, you'll be working on something that is months away yet. Okay. And so then the immediate takes priority. Right. Always, right. So it's. So are you kind but, of given a list of things that. Uh, projects for the next while and you have to decide or are you on a daily basis as a team deciding who works on what and so we have a meeting every day with with the automation team mm -hmm. right and well right now from because we're working from home we used to do it weekly okay um but that there is it's kind of you're given a project to work on and often then you'll be on that for for weeks or whatever okay. so sometimes you might be given a few different projects and they'll take a day or two each or whatever mm -hmm. something like that or sometimes you'll be given a, a small project and then it'll be kind of your a, a big project that's still months away is kind of your backup thing that's what you work okay. on when you don't have something else to yeah to work so there's on always something yep. to do and something yeah. to work on you just on the the um, work from home um, thing are you still like is there set hours that you that you're required to be on the clock, as it were, or are you kind of free to so, put your hours in whenever <laughs> or just get your projects done? Yeah, um, I don't know. I that, That'd be a question for somebody in management, I guess. <laughs> I keep the same hours. We all pretty much do. Okay. Keep the same hours that we do. We don't actually all work exactly the same hours, though. Okay. Um, it's fairly flexible, and it was when you go in to work, too. Mm -hmm. um, I work 7 to 5, 30, sometimes 5. Um, if you mm -hmm. need off earlier, um, usually it doesn't really matter if you have to. Um, okay. some, some people start a bit later mm -hmm. and then whatever. So okay. it's not set. Um, it will be. So right now, if somebody gets a call at work and they forward it to my extension at work, it will come to my cell phone. Oh, so okay. it's kind of expected right that year. so yeah there are some things that yeah. kind of keep you to a yep. to a certain schedule i don't know if it's this way anymore as much but when um the work from home thing got pretty big back in march there because mm -hmm. of covid hitting um there was i heard some discussions about if there should be schedules or if people should be free yeah. to to uh work when works best for them and that kind of thing so yeah sorry to keep hitting this but i, I i've found it fascinating that you've still been 
that you've yeah. been working from home this entire time. Do you think that that your team will go back to working in one location again, or do you think this is going to be an ongoing, um, an ongoing uh, innovation that you work uh, work from home? To I, I'm pretty sure we'll be we'll be going back to the office okay. at some point. It, it works pretty well to work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us right now on the team have been there for more than three years. Trying to train somebody new yeah. would be almost impossible from home. Right. So if it's something like that, then it, it becomes pretty tricky. Yeah. So yeah, there's I mean there's probably advantages and disadvantages, but but uh, I guess you have to to make that call at some point if it is an option again. Yeah, you go back. We'll get more into um, how you got into it and then about uh, the specific work that you do. But uh, before that, maybe just a little bit more about you. Do you have any hobbies or interests outside of work that you'd be that you'd like to share? Yeah. So beyond work, um, I I'm actually don't I know some people that are are programmers and their hobbies are programming, <laughs> and that is not me. I okay. actually really I and I hardly do any of that outside of work i like sports mm-hmm. i like to run i this summer i got into disc golfing oh, nice. um, i like reading uh i play piano some not as much as i'd like to often but mm-hmm. yeah so and I, I like other little projects around the house okay uh, working whatever with like, my hands building things or whatever i don't in waterloo i don't have a lot of chance to do that okay. type of thing but I was going to ask if you like do things on your house, like home improvements so, and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like or? we did a renovation, a little one, put in a new fireplace and stuff this okay. spring. And so I, that was fun. I like to do that. But I'm also, well, my father-in-law helped a lot with that. Okay. So it's not something that I just am willing to do all on my own. Got but you. I enjoy Got some it good help, yep. help for it too. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And it's, uh, it's nice to, it's nice to, to love your work so much that it's, that you enjoy doing it outside of your your scheduled time of work, but that's great if you have other hobbies and interests and and are able to to get away from work for a, for a while too and do other things. So that's great. So yeah, I'd like to hear about um, where how you ended up in the the work that you're doing, how you got into programming. You said um, I forget if it was on the recording or not. That uh, I think it was before we were recording. You said that. You didn't go to school for it um, right. specifically, so yep. I'm kind of curious hearing how how that came to be and, and that kind of um, yeah how your career path has gone. So my first question, I guess, is what did you go to school for, and um, kind of how has that developed into where you are now? Yeah, so right out of high school in grade twelve, I co-opted at Horse Systems for to be an electrician. So okay. I was in the electrical department there, and I got into the trade, and that's what I went to college for. So it's and that's trade school is, um, it's three semesters split apart, like three different years. And it's just, uh, the first one's eight months or eight weeks and the second two are 10 weeks. Okay. So, so it's, it's not a lot not of class lot time. Of, no. Yeah. And then to be, to become licensed, you need, well, to pass that and you need 9,000 hours of working experience. So school ca- counts as part of that, but, um, it's more or less five years, four to five years of work experience. A lot of on-the-job training yep. to, to yeah. learn that profession. Yep. Yeah, and then there's an exam at the end, the C of okay. Q. Is that a written exam or is that yep. a practical? No, it, it's written. Okay. And <clears throat> on it, there'll be practical questions, Okay. things, but a lot of it's code um, related to the like code. Like building code stuff. or Well, there's like a whole or... electrical code. Yeah, yep. okay. A 
whole big book just on that. So, okay. yeah. So some of school is, is doing some of that. Um, you do hands-on stuff in school. So there's labs okay. where you actually do wiring mm -hmm. and, um, in, and then there's theory too. So what electricity is and the theory right. of it, yeah. that type of thing. And, mm -hmm. and you learn code. And then in the, in the third term, you get in a little bit into programming. So because quite a few electricians um, or quite a few jobs require at least a little bit of knowledge mm -hmm. in programming. So that would have been really my first introdu introduction to programming. Okay. Also. Is it related to, so I see at um, university, there's like um, courses or a degree in electrical engineering. engineering. So yeah, yeah that's, different okay um, is it like, totally different or is there he, some relate a little yeah. bit related um i don't actually know for sure what they all do but you wouldn't need to be an electrician i right. don't think to be an electrical engineer and um that would be a lot more in planning so like oh, okay. those high rises and stuff you wouldn't just have an electrician just go in and wire it yeah um, that would all all the drawings would get done and load calculations and so they would probably be even more intensive in the code side of things okay i think for for right. especially like sizing things and mm -hmm. stuff so yeah okay so you you did your you got your license is yep. that what yep. what you become when you yep. what you get when you become an electrician yep mm -hmm. and then were you working as an electrician after that? Or? Yep. So I spent, I did my whole um, apprenticeship at Horse Systems mm -hmm. and then I became licensed and that doesn't change a whole lot what you do. Often that kind of a licensed person is often kind of a foreman or at least a okay. lot of smaller companies. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I would have just kind of gotten to the point of doing some of my own jobs um, mm -hmm. at Horse Systems and we did a lot of travel there so i was overnight for uh like often it would be three nights a week or whatever oh if really okay. certain jobs that you had it would be like we had some jobs other side of toronto mm -hmm. so it would fairly often there would be maybe six weeks eight weeks out of the year where most of the week i'd be gone i see yeah. week. so that was i had just gotten married and that mm -hmm. wasn't that was actually the reason that i was looking for a different job okay it was more that than anything else so you enjoyed the the yep. electrician work yeah no it yeah. was fun i i liked it that's great yeah so um did you have something in mind as you were looking for for a different job different career so i liked what i did as an electrician but i didn't like um like what i did i i figured was probably about what i would like best so being an electrician is pretty broad you can wire residential houses mm -hmm. or you can do commercial or so we were kind of in the agricultural Okay. And a lot of it was working with um, rigid conduits. So it'd be like bending steel. So kind of taking pride in um, how things look. Um, okay. So yeah. I still like look at that type of thing when I'm walking through um, big buildings or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but so I liked what I did, but I didn't really want to look for a different electrician job. Okay. That wasn't really. Um, I maybe would have um, considered some things, but um, I was more interested in programming yeah so had you had any experience with programming before <laughs> no not really wow, so okay, yeah. <laughs> my yeah starting at camar the first weeks were intense mm -hmm. yeah i learned everything that we will probably talk about later on in this podcast 
I didn't know until I started. Working. Okay. So, yeah. So you went, you took the job, you were hired with the expectation that you would learn what you needed right. to on the job. Yep. And so it's not that what I had known was useless, um, mm -hmm. especially just in where I was working. And I'd actually done some electrical work um, at one of the projects that Camar was doing. Oh, so okay. I, yeah. At Wallenstein Mill yep. for when they were building that, I was subbed out and doing some electrical work there and stuff and it was similar to what we did um so just having an understanding of equipment and how things run and that type of okay, thing yep. goes a long way in, in writing code mm -hmm. when you need to control it you have to know yeah how it's supposed to work so so you weren't totally starting from scratch in the in the industry that that camar's working in is that no not totally but yeah. as far as like feed mills um i knew very little okay so yeah. so you learned a lot about yeah. that part that side of things yeah. um as you went also yeah um so yeah what's kind of been your your how did you learn how have you developed since you took that job how long have you been there now and been doing this it was three years in june so a little over three years. okay yeah so yeah what's been the the process of of learning it or do you just get thrown in and, <laughs> and start or so the first the first month i i didn't accomplish much okay <laughs> at work there was definitely some training um we did some of it, a lot of it was just learning by, um, like very supervised work. Okay. So I would, mm -hmm. I would do something and I would constantly be asking questions mm -hmm. and some of it there's was just, um, Google searches or whatever, okay. going to certain websites that had a lot about it. Um, we did pretty soon after I started. Um, so the, the PLC, most of our hardware, um, comes from Beckoff and we actually, so when we work with them and they do, um, they provide training and stuff too. Okay. So pretty soon after I started, we had somebody from Beckoff come in and do a week of training, um, where it's just writing code and learning things about, um, okay. Yeah. The, the program that they have for, for writing. And this code. was just with you or were there others? No, that this were was learning actually all of us oh, okay. there was, in yeah. the automation side. So some of that was definitely beyond what I knew at that point. Okay. Too. It, I, I mean, I heard it and it went over my head at that point. So. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then there's also certain um, aspects. So we do a bunch with databases. Okay. So I've done training with um, online courses. Some of it I was down in Toronto for a week um, doing just a, a week of training on, okay. on databases. So there's certain things like that. And it's kind of ongoing. So at the beginning I had some of that, but it's also I've done... Um, refresher courses okay. and and more in-depth ones since then and i'm sure i will in the future too yeah um, keep are there like online tutorials and things that that you can do or where do you where do you do that yeah so yeah. the well that those courses are it's through global knowledge so they actually oh, have okay. like it's actually a course yep um but there is certain um w3 schools is a website that okay. if you're ever interested in just about any popular programming language um they have like very in-depth tutorials where okay. you can try it um they have like a little description about how to do something or what it does mm -hmm. and then um like an editor there where you can try the code okay and stuff. so um some of that not so much in the um, plc code that okay. would be a lot more languages 
um, like web development languages and that type of thing. On this so, this website right. that you're yep. talking about, is it something you have Some, to pay for? Or? No, that's all. Free. Oh, really? Okay, yep. that site is. Yeah, um, I've I've I think I was telling you about this maybe on email, but I um, have been taking a, a computational physics course mm-hmm. this semester where we the first few weeks we were introduced um to computer programming with python yep and um just so that and we just learned some of the basics so that we can write some some code that you might use for a physics calculation or something like that so i have a very um minuscule introduction to that was the first good. computer programming <laughs> that i've done um but well, uh, you might know more about python than i do then okay <laughs> i don't yeah, yeah i yeah. don't ever write I have i mean i've definitely heard of it and seen a little bit but i've never really written in python yeah there's a lot of different programming languages a, right yeah, yeah a lot python is is pretty popular in that type of thing what you were talking yeah, about i think so. yeah i um i saw that it there was someone that rated um or some site or company that rated the or which said which languages are used most often in programming yep. and and um python is number two or they just yeah they just passed java java i think yeah um, that could be and then is there c there's yeah c++ so there's a bunch based on c there's c and there's c plus plus and c sharp okay. and yeah. okay one of those was number one so yeah um anyway that's uh just just a little give you a little bit about uh, what i'm coming to the this conversation with uh, yep <laughs> so yeah you can maybe talk about uh what you've been learning as we get into some of the talking about some of the projects and some of the things that that you do in your work and yeah maybe this will just give us a little bit more about um, what the company that you work for does and um, if you give us a bit of a description of some of the projects that you guys do just to give us a little bit of context for what you're talking about here yep so camar there's only around 10 of us right now um, that work there so a very small company yeah it is yeah. it's quite small <clears throat> and there is work it's kind of split into two divisions so there's the engineering side and the automation side mm-hmm. so i'm on the automation side but um it would be somebody comes to camar with mostly what we do is building new feed mills so um popular one in the area wallenstein mm-hmm. um <clears throat> we would so when when mill four was built it would be we would get it right from the beginning. So the design side is involved in a project long before we are um, with um, like different things that you need to, to actually build a mill. So right. sometimes there needs to be um, different studies done or whatever and permits like and all on of the, that Even on the thing. land and yep. that's going to be built on and that yep. kind of thing. Yeah. So Phil brought in and whatever, that yep. type of thing just to, to make sure. And, and then they do the design. So um, some this of is building and everything like building no, and equipment or just the equipment mostly so um we would be the they would do all the the drawings for the equipment okay. and a lot of the um drawings for um like layout all of that okay like where yep. equipment belongs and yep. stuff but as far as actual structure um those drawings would be obviously part of ours like you have to know Works where together, things are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it wouldn't be that. Wouldn't be what we do. Okay, we wouldn't yeah. do the structural drawing. So, um, so they're involved um, right from the beginning, and might be it. They might be a year in or whatever before we really on the automation side get involved okay. very much. So at that point, by the time we get involved, um, there's a, a full equipment list. You okay. know, like a list of every piece of equipment that there's going to be and um, 
motors and sizing of that is all done and stuff. Okay. And um, a, a flow plan. So something kind of where that takes product comes here and the where it flows through right. the mill. Like to every place it can go to and every piece of equipment that it goes through on the way okay. is documented. So that's kind of our starting point. Yeah. So just to, to jump in there, yep. how much do you personally have to know about how a feed mill works? Um, so the better you know it, the better you can program it. Okay. So it's, um, I, I don't, I, I don't know near as much as what some of the people on the design side would, and you don't need to, right? but, um, you will, you'll think of things okay. um, that yeah. will make it better. Your program better if you understand it. For so, sure. so just to back up to that a little bit, are, are these feed mills, these programs that you're writing, is it mixing? What are, what are they doing at, at these? Sure. So. <laughs> An analogy, this is an analogy I used with my wife. Okay. <laughs> is it's it's like a recipe. Mm -hmm. um, so you have, except all your ingredients are stored in bins. Okay. And then you weigh them out into a scale. Yep. And that, that comes also, from... This is all, all preset. Comes, and, yep, that yep. all comes from a formula. So they would have nutritionists or whatever that decide what formula is best, like a recipe. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and And then they send that to our system. So they interface to our system. Okay. So we get that and it says all the ingredients and, and what weights to make. And then the full, um, typically the recipe is set for like a thousand kilograms, like a, right. a one ton or whatever. But then they say an amount, how many, how many tons to make. Yep. And then based on that, it would be an operator would basically select that and hit start. And we would automatically weigh things out into the different scales. So okay. we have to know um, what products are in what bin and which scales they go into often there's multiple scales okay and you obviously can only weigh one thing at a time because you need to know the weight yep. of that product okay. and then from there from the scale it does go into a mixer and okay. that just mix it and often at that point liquids are added so again it's like like a yeah, recipe yeah. or whatever so there's <laughs> so dry they, dry mixes yeah. and then so yeah. that that all comes from bins and then there's liquids that um, get metered in like they're pumped in okay and so we meter that um, keep track and again it's to make sure you get the right amount um, with the dry product there's often medicines that get added okay so that's much smaller quantities so then we have different scales um, for that is that a dry of, a dry yep. ingredient as well okay. yeah yeah and so that's um, those scales are our highest resolution scale um, would weigh to within about one gram okay so it's so, not super precise with Right, like, but that's one gram over, oh, over, over, and you're making like your recipes by the thousand kilograms. Right, yeah, exactly. okay, that is pretty precise. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, a typical batch size might be, uh, I think it goes four ton, something like that. Okay, it might go for one batch, but then um, you might have an order that's twenty ton. Or yeah. Whatever. Okay. Maybe multiple batches then. So then from there, it goes to what we call a mash bin. So that's after it's all mixed up. That's out. after the liquid's in it with it yep. as well? Yep. yep. So then it goes into a, a different bin. And that's that bin is typically um, above the pellet mill. Okay. And so then if you've seen feed, you can probably kind of picture what pellets are like. Yep. I mean, some dog food is kind of in that form or right. whatever too. Although often so is it kind different. of a, a hard? Yeah. Well, by the time yep. it gets to its final product? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So the pellet mill is is really it, it comes in as mash and sometimes liquids are added there again okay and then it it's basically a roller and it's 
pushes it through a die to okay. make it into pellets. So then, and then the the pellets from there it goes often through a crumbler. So your pellet might be um, fairly long or whatever, and then okay. a crumbler would break that pellet down. So oh, okay, it's a smaller, smaller size. Piece, so yeah. depending the feed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So from there, and then sometimes liquids are added again after okay. that. And then it goes into a load open where it would get loaded on a truck. Okay. So that's kind of the full process of a feed mill. And you're helping down. to automate all of the that whole thing. process? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So there's there's a few different spots where product sits. So you kind of can break it into um, different processes or whatever. So receiving would be um, somebody comes in with something from the field, corn okay. or whatever, yep. right? Um, wheat. Um, and then it goes into a bin and that becomes what you pull from then for your ingredients. Okay. So. And obviously there's other ones like the medicine ones would be a much smaller bin. Okay. Where they just pour in a bag or whatever. But that's all part of the automated process as well. The, yeah, from, so the, the from the right. ingredients coming into the yep. mill till the till they go out. Yep. And is even do you even help automate the loading and unloading process? Yeah. Then? So okay. um that's yeah. That's a truck driver when he comes in would would all would be looking at our screens. Okay. Um, yeah. Out there. And uh like do you help with uh, programming inventory controls and that kind of thing too? Yep. Okay. Well. Yeah. So we keep track of everything that comes in and goes out and um, actually keeping track of um, what goes in like actual amounts. So you have your target amounts um, in a batch, but we keep track of what actually goes in too, okay. right? So there's tolerances that you're allowed to be off by. Okay. And so all of that actually is becomes by uh, a federal standard. You have to keep that um, data for 10 years. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so it becomes... So that's where... Is that where the databases come in? Yep. Like you're feeding yep. into databases all the time? Yep. And, yeah. So when you're talking about, just to clarify something here, you, you've been saying we, does this mean that you're thinking about this as you write your programs and, and put this all together? Or are you as a company giving ongoing support and helping run these programs after the they've been implemented and the mill's good to go? No, ideally it's we write the program okay. and... That's it. We don't hear from them yeah. again, obviously. So, so you were saying we is in that you're thinking about all these things as you yep. come up with the plans Correct. and, and yep. put it all together. Yeah. yeah. No, it's the person that actually runs it. It's just an operator that works at the mill. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Yeah. So that uh, that helps give me a little bit of um, context for yep. for what you're talking about here, what you're the industry that you're working on um, within. And I mean, automation could go so far beyond what we're gonna, what you're gonna talk about yep. here, because there's so many different industries and manufacturing and things like that that automate their systems, and maybe would have some of the same um, um, concepts. But I'm sure that there's lots of differences too. So, yeah, I guess with my next question here, and anytime when I go on to question, feel free to to go back yep. and and fill in anything that that you we missed or that would help make more sense. But um, what are some of the elements that allow an automation system to operate? So you've talked about the physical, what actually happens that you're, that the product needs to be moved and, and um, made into the pellets and all that. But what are, so there's computers, there's, yeah, yep. what are all of these, the different components that, that uh, are needed to make these systems work? Yeah, so going back to when I worked as an electrician, um, then we would be wiring the motors and you wa wire right. those back to a motor control cabinet, okay. which has, um, it's like a contactor, which it just pulls it in to turn the motor on and off. Okay. And so then that, that there then is controlled often by, um, a lower voltage. So you might have a, 
a 600 volt motor and it's controlled by control wiring okay that would go to that would be wired then to our output cards so okay. all of that what i just talked about we don't do at okay. all that uh, we're from the control side beyond so we would are we you take controlling it, that that the, control thing that you were just talking yes. about okay so we would have a, a computer an operator would sit at a bank of monitors often um multiple monitors it's okay usually well for the batching side there's often six monitors that he's mm -hmm. sitting in front of and um <clears throat> that would be our our computer like we provide okay. that computer computer what he's looking at is a program that is written by us nice. in the yeah. automation side and um <clears throat> when he clicks start on a motor or whatever mm -hmm. then that communicates to a different computer which is the plc so that okay. controls does that stand for something or programmable logics controller i think okay. but yeah I, yeah so See, I, I, mean, I hear that term thrown around yeah. some, but i didn't know what it actually is okay yeah so that that's the plc and the other one is hmi um that's what that's the user interface that just stands for human machine interface i think okay i think that's what it is <laughs> and that's what so, you guys so we would do both we would yeah okay. we would program the plc and we'd program the hmi okay um so one is what controls your inputs and outputs so um telling a motor to start yep. is an output um having feedback that a limit switch is hit okay. or whatever is an input that type of thing yep so <clears throat> the io like at that level is what the electricians would wire into to go out to start a motor okay so and that's you said you did that yeah that's what i would have done as yeah. an electrician okay so i kind of have that side of things yeah. a little bit yeah. has that helped at all with the yeah it definitely understand things a little better coming mm -hmm. from that yeah very good <clears throat> so yeah there's the kind of the io which a big project might have like our largest projects i think have over 1500 io points okay so outputs or inputs yep and then the plc is what controls that and our our code would reference a certain output to tell it to turn on okay yeah very good um so that's the that's the programming side of things um are there maybe this isn't yours your your um i don't know if you work with this at all but are there like sensors then within the yeah within all the equipment or how does yeah. that so typically um the automation side like the design side would often pick out sensors okay so that would be um that or yeah so uh, a two-way valve so that's something that you can go one path or another path it's exactly what it sounds like mm -hmm. um, you have to know which way it's pointed to okay. so you would have a sensor f for it pointing left and a sensor for it pointing right or whatever okay. and so that would get um, those sensors would get wired back in so we don't really do sensor selection but we absolutely in the code need to know every sensor out there mm -hmm. and we have to have a, a drawing basically that says where um, which input card it comes to and the exact point that it's wired to. okay so yeah. yeah so you're not doing any of that wiring though no no you just are you just basically working the writing the computer program Correct. that's going to control all of this yep okay yep. so are do mistakes ever come in or something not work because something was wired incorrectly yeah so that's um i mean in startup when you're starting up a big project 
um, starting up a mill takes weeks. Like right. it's not okay. just something if it's new. Um, <clears throat> but so that once a wiring, those will mostly be figured out when you're starting up a project. Okay. If there's a yeah. wiring mistake, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't just happen whatever a year down the road right yeah somebody's right been away. messing things <laughs> yeah so but there is sometimes there's sensor failures or something like that so um then it becomes um it's not if, if you get a support call you have to keep it in your mind is it an issue with the code that i've written where something got messed up like in a state that it shouldn't be or isn't normal okay or is it actually a physical issue is there a sensor that um is broken or something and some of that we would we would just replace like some sensors we have in stock okay and depending what it is an electrician would tell them to call an electrician mm -hmm. or whatever but you also run into problems like you said that your your code is the issue yep yeah, yeah that sometimes happens <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm sure we'll talk more about how you find those yeah. things and uh <laughs> and uh work with them yeah anything else that you wanted to say about uh, some of the things that are needed to for an autom automation system to run or operate. Uh, no, I th I'm, maybe we'll come back to it at some point. But yeah, and uh, I want to know more about kind of what, uh, how yep. you come up with your programs and things like that. Um, I was I've in conversations before. I've enjoyed talking with you about physics a little bit, and I know that you're a little bit interested in it. So I'm wondering if that comes into to your work at all or if uh, having knowledge in physics benefits you at all yeah so um not actually in school i didn't take physics and oh, that's okay. something i really wish i would have yeah. but as far as what i do it doesn't it's not um you don't need an extensive knowledge of okay. that sort of thing yeah. and the the design side maybe more so or whatever like engineering things and um so there's certain things where you do have to know um depending when you get into motion of things right um then yeah there's a certain extent but some of that some of that's done through physics some of it's done through um trial and error yeah, a little bit gonna, yeah so you can you can figure out like timings of things right. just by playing with them a little bit yep. and, yeah. yeah so i guess it would be nice to have that all perfect before it gets <laughs> implemented but some of that you can yeah you figure out as yeah. you go kind of yeah and some of it's done in charts or whatever like um that manufacturers have made and things like that where um you don't need to do the math oh to they, actually there's a lot of that stuff that's been and, yeah put in place already yep. yeah very good i was thinking a little bit about uh automation and i i don't know if you think about this at all being involved in in coming up with systems and um so i don't know if i apologize if i'm asking you something outside of your realm here but i'm fascinated by the idea of the advantages that come from uh, uh business a company being a manu manufacturers being able to bring in automation and and um and do that so looking specifically at uh, milling systems here have you seen some of the advantages some of the things that can that uh, a mill can really benefit from in having an automated system yeah so definitely efficiency mm -hmm. um there is it it can come down to um there's almost no wasted time you can have mm -hmm. it if if your operator is right ready to start the next order um you can almost equipment can be running all the time oh wow and it can be kept yeah maximum efficiency yeah. that's definitely a big thing um, another thing is, um, workforce. So what back in the day, 
um, you know, to to get things to fill the scale with the ingredients. It would have been somebody um, basically running a slider and trying to hit the right target. Okay. So now, like stop it at the right yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. So now that's all done with automation. So it's a lot more precise. Yeah. Than so it used less to be. wasted materials. <laughs> yep better better recipes like is there more consistency in the yep. in the products yeah. that are being put out yeah 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 and and then um to run um as far as to run the mill um so all the different processes that i said you could do it obviously this isn't what it is but you could do it with two people okay so yeah so it's automation certainly um has a lot of benefits yeah it becomes and and the other thing then is everything gets recorded oh um, yeah so, right like even even we record like every click of the mouse every okay. time somebody clicks a button we know um that it got clicked or wow. whatever and so there's, so there's obviously traceability, traceability yeah. yeah to be able to yeah. and that's important with the feed that they're doing like yep. if uh if a herd of animals would get sick or right. something you can trace that yep. and see exactly what went yep. into it or maybe where the problem yep. occurred yeah you can yep well, yeah, that is that is powerful. Do you see any disadvantages that that come out of automation? Um, not really. Right. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's certain things where if something, sometimes if something goes wrong, um, then if it wasn't for the automation, you would just bypass it. So take the example yeah. of a limit. Um, maybe maybe that is positioned to the right spot, but because we don't see that input we don't allow anything to run right? Um, because we don't know it's there. Yeah. So that, that in that place or whatever, it just needs to get fixed. So there's certain maintenance that needs to happen. Um, and the other thing is you become reliant on, on your code, right? So if you're, if the PLC were to crash or something like that, um, nothing would run. Oh, right? I like see. there's, yeah. there's not manual provision really um, to use yeah. your equipment. <laughs> But all that is taken care of. We have, yeah, backups. Um, there's oh, okay. RAID drives on the PLC so that one can fail and it would switch over to the other one. So okay. there's all kinds of different things that you put in place to You have contingencies in, play yep. in, in place to, to keep some of that from happening. So it's, yeah. it's I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't think it's much of a disadvantage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we get frustrated at technology sometimes. Um because it's not working or if, yeah. if there's an issue and we forget about how often it's made our lives easier yeah. <laughs> for the last two weeks when it's been working perfectly, how much we benefited from it. So it's uh, easy to forget about those things. Yeah. So want to uh, get into what I think this is what you would spend most of your time with. You can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but looking specifically at computer programming and so yeah just give us a description from your understanding of what what is computer programming and how does it work yeah so um i'll take i'll talk a little bit about the plc program that we used first mm -hmm. um, that's written in structured text which if you're not a plc programmer then you've probably never really heard about um, right i've never heard of that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's similar to other programming languages okay um so what it looks like um, when you're looking, a lot of people, if you've never seen programming, you look at, at code and it looks like gibberish. Mm -hmm. um, I, it, the easiest way to explain it or think about it is um, thinking about algebra. So mm -hmm. there you know that if x plus 3 equals 10, you can figure out x is a variable. 
Okay. So you use right. a lot so of variables in, in your programming? Yeah. So, um, well, that's similar to the little bit I've done then. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's programming languages all have similarities and that's yeah. one of them. Everything, everything's written in variables. So when you look and it looks like gibberish, it's actually a variable name that's given. So, um, if I want something to just take the, the very basic example of a motor starting, mm -hmm. I might make a variable called start motor. Okay. And then that there, um, then I might have my output linked to a motor start variable. So then I can, then there's keywords in programming. So words that mean something to the language, you can't use them as a variable. Right. Yeah. So that would be an if I can say, mm -hmm. if my B start, that's my start variable, mm -hmm. then I can set my output true. Okay. Yep. To come true. So and that's how you can set up a series yep. of events that take place. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, everything can be, um, everything's a variable basically basically yeah. when you're programming so are there like so do you call it do you use the term loops at all yeah so that's um that's a very well if so you almost have to start getting into data types a little bit when you talk about this mm -hmm. so um uh a basic a basic um things are a, a boolean which is just true or false right yeah. and then you have your in integers which is numbers Mm -hmm. And then you have strings, which is text. Okay. Yep. And then you might have like a a real or a <clears throat> um, yeah. We it's called a real in, in structured text. There's, what do you, what is that? So that's um, like a floating point number. That's yeah, the so word that's I was what, looking that's for. That's what or that's what I would be yeah. used to call. So it. anything that decimals. Yeah. Um, so, a decimal number yep. basically. Yeah. yeah. And so then um, where you get into loops is if you make an array of things. Yep. So, uh, so what, tell us what an array is. Yeah. So think of an array as being <clears throat> kind of like, if you think about Excel, mm -hmm. Excel can be used to explain a bunch of things. An array. Well, Excel is basically be, program. I mean, you can write yeah, you basic can. programs yep. with it, right? Yeah. So an array, but thinking about it just at a table level. So you have your mm -hmm. Excel sheet. At, um, an array would be um, adding another row okay. or whatever. So you have, if your data type is is a boolean and if i have b start i could make it an array size of three okay and now b start i have array position one array position two array position three is it kind of a way of compiling or putting together so sets of data or different the, different the reason to do it is so that you can use loops so it oh, becomes okay. a lot easier so when you have if i just have b start out or then um Maybe I should use it. Switch, switch to a different um, method of explaining here. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's use it for you're programming a game, mm -hmm. and you have persons that are part of the game. So you might have player or player. Yep. So you might have player one, player two, player three, and player four. Mm -hmm. Now you could make variables that are exactly that player one, yep. or you could make one variable called player and make it an array size oh, of four. Okay. Yep. And now instead, so then before, if I want um, to write logic so that players, player one's score becomes something from an input or yep. whatever, then I would have had to write, if I wrote them all separately, I would have had to write player one score equals this, yep. whatever. But in, in a loop, if you do as as an array, then you can loop through it. I can say mm -hmm. four, zero to 
the size and of the players. And there it's four F-O-R, right? Right, yep. correct. Then for that, for zero or whatever to your player max, mm-hmm. the size of players, um, player, and then I, I might assign um, the variable I, that's typically what is is in programming, to be the, the loop reference. Okay, so the yeah. first time through the loop, I is zero or one, depending what you start your array at. And then it's two the next time through and three the next time through. So right. now, instead of having to write the code four times for each different player, I write it once, put it in a loop, and it will happen four times in execution. Yeah, so and run through each each correct. thing in succession. Yeah, so it yeah. would when your when your code is doing it, it would it would start at the loop at the beginning of the loop, mm-hmm. and go through writing to all of player one. So then it would be player, and instead of um, it's square back brackets for an array usually. Okay, well this so, is there is a lot of similarities in the yeah, language I yeah. use then. Yeah, once you know one, it would. The second becomes way easier to learn okay. in programming yeah. languages. So then you would have, instead of um, a hard-coded one in the array position, you would put your variable i. Oh, yeah. Because that's that changes every loop. Mm-hmm. So the first time through the loop, it is player one because i equals one. Yep. The second time through the loop, it's player two because i equals two. Mm-hmm. So on. So what's an example where you would program in a for loop with a, with the programs you write so another reason to use loops is because it becomes way easier to add so um there's certain things take a conveyor um Mm -hmm. there's certain things about a conveyor that happen to every conveyor oh yeah Mm -hmm. so if we make it the um conveyor instead of if we want to add a conveyor sometimes there's different projects and they add a conveyor Mm -hmm. then instead of having to write a whole bunch of new code you just change your array size. Oh, your and just add size, in yeah, that. Make your array basically size Basically one bigger. time? Yeah, so sometimes it can... Certain pieces of equipment um, have become... Um, so so obviously for a conveyor, you might rely on other pieces of equipment to be running and stuff. Yeah. So that has to be hard-coded. But for certain pieces of equipment, like adding a fan or things like that, mm-hmm. um, it's become to the point where we can make a database entry and okay. change an array size and then all the codes are ready in place oh wow yeah because yeah, so it the same thing happens for other ones yeah yep. so there's some nice efficiencies there Correct. once you once yep. you learn it and, yep. and know how it works yeah very good um so yeah well i, I forget how how far we were <laughs> into uh what uh computer programming is and how does it work but is there more you wanted to say on on that we were just basically talking about variables I think, yeah actually. <laughs> so if you want to continue on from there. well i was going to ask you do you use while loops um no well i mean they exist okay but i avoid them okay why is that <laughs> for the most part um usually um they have their place um usually a for loop is so a while loop you just have to make sure that you can get out of it so that is a case yeah. in point where a while loop um you can strand your your cpu gets maxed out and you you never get out of your loop okay You're stuck so in your loop forever. What, yeah t- tell me what is a while loop so that so it's it, it it's exactly what it sounds like while and then you have a condition while mm-hmm. a condition is true um your loop is happening so if your condition never goes false then um, you're stuck in your loop forever so couldn't you put that to a physical control that an operator could turn right off? so in um <clears throat> So in a while loop, you 
Okay, so backing up to um, how our code runs. Mm -hmm. So in a PLC, um, it's different than probably it's different than what you'd be doing, I think, in Python, where it's, yeah, it's not event based; it's scan based. Okay. So all the inputs and outputs. So one scan happens in ten milliseconds. So um, what do you mean by our, what do you mean by scan? So it starts at inputs. All of the inputs um, get read in. Okay. At the beginning of one scan. Okay. And then it goes through your code execution, mm -hmm. and that we have set up so certain things happen in certain mm -hmm. orders. And within that, um, it'll jump into one program, run through all that code, and every if statement you have in there gets evaluated. So if it's true, more code will happen. If mm -hmm. it's false, it won't happen. It jumps over to the next thing. Right. And then it gets done one program and jumps into the next program, whatever. So all your code gets executed. Okay. And then at the end, um, it writes the outputs. So okay. within your code, you might set outputs, and then they get written to the outputs, mm -hmm. and then the next scan starts over. So you're talking, so, you'd call a scan. Is that terminology used for running through a code one time? No. Not? So okay. that so a scan is if it's scan based, which PLC code is, mm -hmm. um, then the same code is getting executed, whatever your scan time is at. So we oh, set our okay. we set our base time, a scan time, to ten milliseconds. Okay. So that means every every piece of code is getting scanned ten milliseconds. Okay. So that's different than the other type of programming is event based, mm -hmm. and that is a lot more common just about everywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so that something only happens, um, code only gets executed based on an event, like a button click. Right. Um, yeah. Or whatever on your on your computer. So. <clears throat> The reason to do scan based for PLC is because you have um, there's certain code that you want you want scanned every all the okay. time. Mm -hmm. So um, so this is happening a hundred times a second that your wow. code is getting executed. So back to the while loop, mm -hmm. if you have a while loop that is too long, then you run beyond your ten milliseconds oh, okay. of scan time. And so it starts messing things up. Okay. It becomes yep. dangerous. And if it if it's infinite, then um, it crash. You're no longer reading and writing outputs, and bad things happen. It'll crash the computer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or, okay. Or you're just stuck, not doing anything, not accomplishing anything with your code. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so that was yeah. That was still back on. Uh, we were kind of talking about variables and got into if statements and then for loops. Then I asked you about while loops. Um, so was there more you wanted to say about? computer programming and how it works? Sure. <laughs> um, so again, this is back to PLC code. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of memory leaks. Nope. Or, okay. So code can sometimes have a memory leak and that's where it uses up memory mm -hmm. of your computer and never lets go of it. Okay. So back to our PLC code, it actually can't have a memory leak because everything um, is defined beforehand. So when you have your your when you're writing your variable, um, you can't use a variable unless it's defined. And when it's defined, it's defined as a data type. So a, a boolean, take mm -hmm. for example. Um, so that has a fixed size in memory. Okay. And it never changes. Mm -hmm. So you have so our entire code set is um, is a fixed size. It doesn't take up any more or less memory. Okay. Doesn't matter what's in it. So if if my boolean's true or false, or if I have a string that has like a lot of text in it or no text in it at any given time, the amount it takes up in memory is the same. 
Okay. So it's a fixed size in memory. So um, that becomes a. So I, this is just going into a little bit of our code size now, mm -hmm. and something that I find interesting. Back to the yeah. scan-based thing. So okay. our yep. fully compiled code size is seventy-nine megabytes. So yep. that doesn't sound like very much. That's right. the size of data, and that runs. Um, it gets scanned um, once every ten milliseconds. Okay. So all that code gets executed every ten milliseconds, and so we run it on. It runs on a computer. And it's running um, a core, an Intel Core i7 is the CPU, so a high-end CPU. Mm -hmm. And this all, ha all has to happen on, on a single core in that CPU. So certain computers, they, they say that like, you have different cores, and it's great for running multiple processes at okay. once. But for this, it can't. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> a scan time takes about... Well, it takes up 75%. So just to execute that 75 megabytes of code keeps that single core running at 75% CPU usage okay. on that core. So it's... it's uh, how interested are you in this? No, it's great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, keep going. So then uh, we have the, the scan time of 10 milliseconds, mm -hmm. so 100 times a second. But there's certain things that have to happen faster than that because it's not quick enough to read in um, certain things. So like a flow meter, we were talking about applying liquids. Yep. Um, some flow meters are, um, they send a pulse every whatever. I, I don't remember what it is. Every 100 grams or whatever. Okay. That goes through it, it sends a pulse. And that's how you know um, how much has gone through it. <clears throat> Sorry, this is so a pulse of? Just like electricity. Okay. Like just, it's a, just kind of a signal? Or... Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> so that there, things like that we have on a high-speed task. So those inputs are getting scanned um, 4,000 times a second. So that okay. scan time is 250 microseconds. Okay. So this all still happens on the same core. So this means that when um, your scan starts, it mm -hmm. reads all the inputs in from our project. Mm -hmm. And then it starts executing your code. So it starts going through like your program and it gets through. But now every 250 microseconds, it has to interrupt where it's at executing the code okay. and read in the high speed task variables. So the flow meters it has to check them. Okay. Yeah. So that happens. It, it, it interrupts it where it's at. That happens. And then it jumps back to where it was and keeps executing. Okay. And then again, 250 microseconds later, that happens again. So... <clears throat> When you're running at 75% CPU usage, it means that in that time, in one single scan, that code gets interrupted 30 times okay. to check for high-speed tasks. So it's just it's amazing yeah. <laughs> what, what happens in, at a computer level like that. So, Wow. <laughs> so um, you can also do while we're talking about timing of things, mm -hmm. you can synchronize your outputs. So your outputs all get set at um, every 10 milliseconds, like I was saying, okay. that's, that's mm -hmm. our scan time. So you can change your scan time. So if it's if you need it to be faster, like um, I was saying, the 250 microseconds. Yep. But then sometimes um, for some applications, and this goes way beyond what we do, but I think some, some scientific research where... Um, it becomes really, really critical that outputs come on at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, they have something called time synchronization. Okay. So this is when it goes out to your output card. 
it actually remembers the path, how long it takes to get there and how long it takes to get to the next card. So you might have uh, like a, an Ethernet cable, just like you plug into the Internet, mm-hmm. something like that, that's connecting um, one card to another card 100 feet away or whatever, mm-hmm. or all around the plant you might have yep. output cards. And you can set up time synchronization so that these outputs come on within 10 nanoseconds of each other. Okay. Or it's measured in 10 nanoseconds. So, so that like means... Point zero zero like to, so the, that's, to the eighth decimal place, there's a one? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then in one nanosecond, light travels about a foot. Okay. So in 10 nanoseconds, light travels about 10 feet. Okay. And in one second, light travels about 300,000 kilometers. So that gives you an idea how fast 10 nanoseconds is. So wait, say that again. So um, so this, you can turn on outputs at about 10, yep. within 10 nanoseconds of each other. Okay. So just so to can... get an, so this is just to get an idea how fast 10 nanoseconds yep. is. Yeah. Okay. No, yep. Light travels about 10 feet so we're just so we're breaking up a second into right. a billion parts uh it would be to the negative nine yeah, yeah so it'd so, be yep, a billion yep. yep so 10 nanoseconds light travels 10 feet okay now to compare 10 nanoseconds to a second light travels three hundred thousand right. kilometers in, in one, one second. second yeah, yeah. Wow. so that it's it's mind-boggling how fast you can get with um setting outputs and time synchronization and yeah. things like that so, so are these things traveling at the speed of light <clears throat> i mean are these signals traveling at the no, speed of light? no so your signals are 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 that's just that's with that's what time synchronization oh is. it puts so it, it in it waits that's, it. yeah so it's like okay it takes it this long to go through the wire to here and so it it waits that long and then turns them on okay yeah. so you can control it that well correct <laughs> well yeah so, yeah, was there more that you wanted to say on uh, the computer programming and um, how that works before you get a little more into into the what you do? Uh, no, we can move on. Um, yeah, so I, maybe you talked about this already, but um, talk a little bit more about the type of programming that you do or the things that are involved in that, maybe the languages. You talked a little bit about that too, but yeah, just a little a little more on some of some of the specific programming that you do since there are many types as, as we've yeah. been talking about. Yeah, so we talked a bit about structured text, which is our PLC program. Okay, yep. Um, <clears throat> in the HMI, um, we would use VBScript, at least currently that's what we're using. Okay. Um, it's a different application. So some of that's drag and drop. Mm-hmm. So you have a, a button image. So again, this is building the user interface. Mm-hmm. You would just drag a button onto the screen so there's already a, a kind of a, a button drawn that yeah that's exactly looks, does it actually this look is, like what it is what it's doing or not yeah so like when you're um, creating the hmi mm-hmm. then you have a screen and so this is all done by like we use right now we use indusoft mostly and mm-hmm. we're starting to go into um back off what we use for plcs they've come out with their own hmi okay app, um, application so that that you build it with so that's based more on web development languages. But mm-hmm. Indusoft is you drag, you drag a button onto the screen and it looks like it'll look um, to the user. Yeah, okay. So, but then, then when you click, when you double click on the button or whatever, you can set what happens when it clicks. 
Okay. So then that's where VBScript comes in in Indusoft. Okay. So that would be another language where um, every time somebody clicks on a button, what actually happens is written in VBScript. Okay. So, so is that uh, text-based yep. code then? Yeah, so it would, be, it, it would look similar to um, any other language, basically. Okay. You still have your um, keywords, and it's still you create your variables, and mm -hmm. um, there's different, so there's different um, pre-made libraries that different languages have. So VBScript would have a certain library um, for talking to the database. Okay. Or whatever. So that's code that um, just resides on, on Windows, basically. Okay. That, that is written by there. somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> written, yeah. And it's kind written of... Written by Microsoft developers or something that I... I have no idea what that code actually looks like. Right, inside. but you yeah. know that when you use one of those Correct. terms, then you know it's what it's going to do. Yeah. So is it, can you give me an example of something you would use regularly that's kind of a pre-programmed term yeah. like that? Yeah, so um, if you're, well, database interaction is a main one, but just like at a much simpler level, um, now becomes like a keyword where it gets the date and time. Oh, okay. So you yeah. just say now, and that's somewhere it's getting the code to get the current date and time. Okay. Very good. Yeah, just the what you were talking about with the, like, being able to pull a button onto the screen and yep. set it up like that. I'm actually, I'm doing a programming lab mm -hmm. right now, too. That's, it's called Lab View, and everything is kind of more of a visual programming. And what you do is you bring in those... Yep. different things that you can set up um, a, um, a for loop and mm -hmm. you can have your booleans and um, and your variables and operations and things like that. But then what you actually do is you wire the different things together in the order that you want them to oh yeah to work. Yep. Um, and it's it's a lot of the same things as text based. Like I was saying, you have your if statements and yep. but it's it kind of gives it that visual mm -hmm. look. I, I guess that's the idea of it that I haven't done much with it. But it kind of reminded me of what you were saying with dragging things yep. on and, yeah. and doing more of a visual part of it. Um, what? Uh, yeah, did you talk? Did you say what you wanted to about you were talking a little bit about databases and how they work? Did you talk about what you wanted to there? Or is there more that you wanted to? So on those. when I started at Camar, I didn't really know what a what a database was. I just you hear the term and you don't really know. Doesn't it just so, store things? Or? Yeah. So it's think about it again like an Excel sheet mm -hmm. where you have your columns that are predefined, mm -hmm. and then it just stores data. Um, but then instead of like an Excel sheet, you interact with it through code. So okay. T SQL is the code language. Of okay. interacting with um, a SQL database. That's mm -hmm. what we use. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, so then on a button, I might actually have an insert into the database. So I can actually record um, whatever information that they're setting up. So I have, you can make it a user inter, inter, interface to okay. the database. So. So is it set up to pull things from a database and use them in executing the machinery or is it recording everything that's done into a Both. database? Okay. So we record um, everything that gets done to the database, but we also store things like parameters in there. Okay. So certain things have different, um, well, 
so for purging a conveyor say um mm -hmm. that there you need to set up a parameter for how long it needs to run until you consider it empty okay of all product <clears throat> so that type of thing we would store in the database and on the hmi there'd be a user interface where they can change that oh okay. so then we would they when they save it we would save it to the database mm -hmm. and then in our plc code we would read that back in um and then that's how long we'd run the conveyor for okay so that's all empty. that's all set up to work together that yep. one change will will right make it work on the whole with system the new, okay yep. so that all has to be do you have to so yeah so we have to write together yeah we have to write code well you have to set up the database to have that table okay you have to write code in the hmi um, so that the operator can view what's there and mm -hmm. also change it and then you have to write code in the plc um, to read it in and mm -hmm. to, act, to actually use it okay yeah yeah very good so you can yeah did you sorry go ahead well okay the other thing about um databases is um they're relational or that's what it's meant to be so if you take a si simple example of um a product at a store mm -hmm. so there you might have a product id which is just a number it means nothing but then with it in the same row you have a description which tells you what the product is mm -hmm. and then you might have a price what you sell it for yep um, so there's a lot of other things that you want to keep stored about that product. You want to know who the suppliers are. Um, you might want to know um, who, what category it belongs in. Is it in, so the website, is it in tools or is it in um, home improvement or whatever, right? right yeah. Like that type of thing. So then instead of storing that all in the same table with it, um, you use that ID that's mm. with the category in another table. And then that, that way it becomes um, dynamic, I guess. You can just keep adding rows. So um, oh, okay. instead of having an extra column for supplier one and supplier two and supplier three yep. um, for it, because you don't know how many suppliers might supply the same thing. Right. You make a new table, which has the product ID and the supplier. Mm -hmm. And so then the same product ID, you can just add another row and it becomes dynamic how many suppliers you have. Okay. So that's the that I think is the fun of working with databases. It's relational. The idea is that you don't um, store the same information um, twice, kind of. Okay. Like you yep. you want to keep it so that it's in one place, and um, and that it's dynamic. So that down the road, if you add another supplier, you it becomes a database entry instead of actually having to change your architecture and add another column. Oh, okay. So it's so, it's easier to work with because yeah, of that. And yeah, it's it's a simpler process to input data. Yeah, I mean, to to it, yeah to get that data in. Yeah, and it it become yeah on the back end becomes a lot easier. Okay. So yeah, that's the that I I find that the fun of working with databases. Okay, is how they relate to each other. Hmm. Very good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you can. As you have more things to that you think of that uh, you want to kind of add to what you've been saying, that's that's great. But um, what's maybe you can talk a little bit about what the process is of planning and implementing a program. As you, um, yeah, I don't know how much you can say about that, but um, as you've been talking about the, it seems incredibly complex to me. All the the things that have to come together for a for a, a mill system to work. Yeah. So. 
yeah, walk me through kind of what you as a team do in order to get it from a beginning to to the final implementation. Sure. So um, you don't start from scratch every time. Mm -hmm. So you start from a code base that you've already made. Okay. That was actually um, a question I wrote down yep. is can you reuse these things Correct. from project to project? Yep. Yeah, it would be an incredible amount of work if you had to start from, okay, from scratch yeah. every time. Um, <clears throat> so obviously then you might start from a previous project or we kind of have like a standard project that we keep um, that anytime you develop something new, um, you put it into that project. So that way that's okay. what we start from for mm -hmm. a new project. So then at that point, it becomes a lot of stripping down things and changing and stuff okay. because you don't use all of that for a mill. So um, again, how I was talking at the beginning, how you kind of have different processes. Um, mm -hmm. You have receiving and you have um, batching. That's like where you mix things and you have pelleting and then you have loadout where yep. it goes. So that that's kind of how we break it down into oh, okay. um, different developers mm -hmm. too. So. Um, somebody I might work on receiving or whatever. And then it becomes starting from that code base and it becomes big using that flow plan that I talked about that okay. the design side would have because you have to know right. um, what conveyors feed into what other conveyors and to what bins they go to and that type of thing. So yeah. that's kind of where you start with um, and that's kind of how we break it apart mm -hmm. to begin. So that's the PLC side and the HMI side is the same way is you you have different, like a whole bunch of different screens. So for our project, I, I don't remember how many it is, but over a hundred um, different screens, but some of them relate to receiving. So if okay. I'm working on receiving, then I'll go to those screens and I will actually um, make it so that the number of bins that actually exist are, are what's shown oh, okay. on the screen. And so, so do you, this is maybe a simple question, but do you start with some of those simple, clear things and just try to try to yep. put in those things that you know, like, okay, this is this yep. needs to happen first. Yeah. So on the HMI side, that's absolutely often what I do. Yep. Very simple is you get the objects on the screen that you actually know exist there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that's kind of where you start before you start changing any of the code behind it. Okay. Yeah. Does, um, you've talked about several different parts of the, the entire project um is there something specific that that you've kind of has become your thing or do you do you as a team do you work on every do you you all work on different yeah. parts of it <clears throat> right now there is four of us and we all kind of work on everything okay um we have i had mentioned that we're going to different or we might start work using a different HMI platform, mm -hmm. the Beckoff one, which is more web, um, web-based. Okay. And so that there, I have done a bunch with. So uh, oh, okay. that's kind of what I'm working on right now is um, the, a project coming up um, mm -hmm. next summer that will use some of that. Okay. So that's yeah. very good. You um, maybe have talked about this a little bit, but have you had to learn how to read? feed mill plans and understand what's what's happening to be able to know how the program needs to be run and things like that yep so that is the nice thing about the design side being right there oh yeah they have you can all, ask them what they mean yep, by this we yep. have access to all the drawings and if i don't understand something that's happening in a drawing or whatever i can can just ask them. okay yeah have you ever had like massive 
miscommunication where you <laughs> program something that was completely different than what they had in mind? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> There's enough not, communication there yeah, that that can be caught. At least not massive. Sometimes you, sometimes things get uh, miscommunicated about how something should be programmed, but not usually nothing that doesn't take doesn't take that long to fix. Okay. Yeah. Is um, so you said that you work on these projects for months. Yeah. So um, you're just working using the plans, trying to to get all the programming correct um as as for the system to work is that kind of how what most of the work is yeah so then uh, um a big part of it as you're developing and then for sure more so at the end is is testing it oh yeah so Um, that's where i was going to going with that is how you do that so um we make um a simulation basically so this is again just with our code (laughs) we simulate um the inputs and and outputs and stuff so that way um, it's basically like you're playing a computer game. Oh, neat. That's, yeah. yeah. So when you start a conveyor, it looks like it's running on okay. the screen mm-hmm. because we simulate it. So that, that becomes really important. I don't know. It would be really hard to develop um, something that works without being able to try yeah. it out like that. So is that Would it have been done in the early days of computer programming where you wouldn't have I, known until... You started implementing it like, like I that don't takes know. software of some kind to be able to see the well the different parts working or not. So we just so um, really the part that you don't have is the physical, so inputs and outputs. Okay, but you can't test that until it's on. Not really. Like we we often test um, so that we for sure get our links right. So like you actually um, link a variable to an output. Oh, okay. so we test that um, once we have all the I/O set up before mm-hmm. it goes to site. But um, <clears throat> as far as simulating it, um, it's just code, so that that link um, gets written to a variable. Okay. So for simulating it, you can just simulate writing to that same variable with something else. So okay. that way, when you hit start, um, it simulates writing the input to say it's running. Okay. Or whatever. Yeah. So it it looks basically like it does one year when it's actually live oh, very nice so um so you're doing that you're probably doing that testing all along like you write yeah. a small part of the code and see if that works and then yeah so the, for the first day or whatever when you're starting on you probably don't first couple days maybe you don't simulate anything because it won't work oh okay but then you yeah, yeah it happens all the way through the process mm-hmm. of developing yep. so eventually you you talked about you go on site sometimes yep is that to do once so, the equipment's in place yep so that is um on startups mm-hmm. um so if it's a new mill last winter we did um jones in linwood mm-hmm. a new mill there so i was on site pretty much every day for it was at least six weeks oh really yeah so it is a long so, process <clears throat> yeah so i not everybody from our automation team would have been okay um part of that was after they were already running mm-hmm. but it's just working out bugs and mm-hmm. and with that too it's um when it's new equipment then often there's mechanical issues right. and stuff so it's just kind of to make a, a smooth start as smooth as can be mm-hmm. so but there um for the testing of that we're involved with actual testing of everything so okay. every limit switch out in the mill um we f- go find and trigger it and watch to make sure that on our HMI we see that limit. Okay. So 
that's where you catch anything where um, if it was linked to a wrong limit or something, mm -hmm. then that's when you have to catch it. So, so it's a, a, a critical part. Yeah. yeah. So do you have a systematic process, a protocol of going through to make sure that you catch every, I mean, that you've tested yep. everything? Yep. So we have another part of our job is drawings for RIO okay. to say um, that way um, they know um, which conveyor goes to which input or output right. point. Yep. Um, so we use those drawings and a highlighter and you make sure that every single line gets highlighted. <laughs> yeah, that you basically that you've tested it, it yep. works, that yep. you're you tested the one that you're right <laughs> planning to or yep. that you're trying to test. So then it. yeah, then there's usually two people or whatever working on together. Okay. One person at the HMI um, watching and stuff and one person out at the limit switch triggering it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well so in that are you troubleshooting are you debugging what's hopefully or, not <laughs> or, yeah so that's all you're hoping that's that program's all been yeah good to go beforehand yeah. so we do like a lot of your simulating back at the office catches a lot of things okay yeah but um yeah there's always often uh, at a, a new mill you'll definitely find things um that have to change a little bit okay so yeah there's so what are some of the bugs that you'll run into in in programs like what's some of the things that that problems that you have with code um sometimes they're the weirdest things that don't show up for like years really yeah like so it's, how does that happen <laughs> um it could be um it could be a weird thing like so a lot of things rely on timing so okay. you might have um a case a statement that this executes but it has to execute before this or whatever and certain things right. that have to come back um, on a power cycle it has to return to the same spot it was okay mm -hmm. so there's certain variables that um, we keep in memory that on a power shutdown or whatever they get written to um, the hard drive before a shutdown okay so there's a tiny little ups or whatever that makes sure that happens mm -hmm. so sometimes something like that if it's um if for whatever reason power goes out um mm -hmm. it could be in some spot where it's never caused an issue before um, oh, but okay. now when it comes back on it should have been in a certain state and it wasn't oh so okay something like that could would be an example yeah. of is that something you've so, seen or um, do you just come up with that I'm not sure if I've seen that exact thing with a power outage. There's other things that um, are sometimes wrong, but they like don't matter enough. They oh, don't okay. catch on for a long time. So sometimes there's things like that um, where it's just a little thing where we might be trying to record something and we're recording it of whatever. I don't know. It's oh, okay. hard so... to think of a perfect example, but... But it might but, not might not even get caught. Like there might be a bug that that's there. That's possible. Yeah, yeah. But not obviously. Those are tiny. Like everything right. that matters is. Yeah. <laughs> it won't. It won't get very far if no, it's if it's exactly. a major issue. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and you've you just kind of learn as you go along what what um, what to look for in running those simulations and those tests what's needed in order for it to be working and then kind of learn what to look for to yeah. fix those problems yep it's the it is definitely something you just get better at as okay you, as you do it so basically. would it have been something that you would ask for help 
if you're having trouble with something or what it was kind of what's what's kind of your process and yeah in figuring something out um yeah that definitely happens sometimes if you can't figure it out for too long <laughs> get someone else's opinion or whatever mm-hmm. um but depending what it is um sometimes that sometimes that helps just as much because you um, start talking about it out loud <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. like uh, sometimes they become um if you've looked into it for a while then um, it's hard to bring somebody else up to speed right oh, away on, okay. on yeah. something but yeah that's so true. <clears throat> yeah um my foreman i guess our project lead on the automation side um would have written a lot of this code originally okay. that sometimes so he has a really good understanding of mm-hmm. Is it uh, in the languages that you use, is it typical to put comments and things yep. in with it? Yeah, so that definitely. Um, comments are very helpful. Um, sometimes they can be overdone because your variable naming should tell you what's going on too. Okay. So yep. the name of your variable should be something that is meaningful <laughs> Yeah. or whatever. But yeah, absolutely, comments. That, that's something I hadn't thought about until in the that was one of the things that the textbook said almost right away is, yeah. is to put in lots of comments because yep. code is really hard to read. It if is. You, even this, even stuff you've written yep. um, and you come back to it a week later and it's like, I have the, no idea what I was trying to yep, do. There. There's definitely times when it's easier to write code than to read it. Yeah. It's because you understand what you're doing, but coming back to read it, you have to try to re-understand what you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you um, ever... Are you ever able to Google things to troubleshoot yes. problems? So is there enough other developers using the programs and things that you use that, that there's kind of a <clears throat> library of source resources out there? So in the PLC side, not as much. Okay. But um, for sure, the other languages that are popular, and especially with um, what I've been working on recently with the new HMI that uses web development, languages um there's mm-hmm. all kinds of help out there okay for stack overflow is a lifesaver <laughs> okay That's, is that a it's just a you can post a question and mm. people answer i've never posted a question you can almost always find the question that you want to ask somebody else's ask and it's it. just people so. being helpful or i'm not actually sure how it works um, okay. i think there's definitely a system behind it where like people get rated on their the good answers they give okay so I'm not sure if there's any money involved or I think it would for sure look good on a resume if you had oh, yeah. Get a good rating on yeah, there. <laughs> I don't know though. Yeah, fascinating. Um Yeah, I don't know if you had more to say on the troubleshooting and debugging process, but what are what are some of the elements of a good program? Are there <laughs> things that you can look at to to know that it's a good program or is it just if it works or not? So it's not just if it works or not. Um there's hundreds of different ways that you can program the same thing mm-hmm. if it's complex. And um, working right now, we're at a team of four. And it's nice if you all kind of keep the same way of programming. Okay. Because then it becomes easier to read and to whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> for me, that was pretty easy because I learned from exactly what, oh yeah from what i was reading right yeah you the the only code that i really learned from was if somebody were to come from a different background then you know they would probably have a different style mm-hmm. of writing code mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but for the most part we're all very similar okay. so that's that's really nice um but again it's not 
as far as elements of a good programming, what's good about it is that we're the same. Okay. Um, but the other thing is, so like your while loop example, mm-hmm. um, if you can, I would absolutely use a for loop, mm-hmm. something like that. You just avoid um, a while loop will work and you can make it that it will always execute and get out. Like you can make sure there's certain ways to make sure that it will always okay. jump out of the yeah. loop. But a for loop does that for you, yeah, right? It so when ends. it gets to the end, it, <laughs> yeah. it'll go out. So um, there's certain things like that where programming, um, <clears throat> there's other, um, again, going back to just style, um, you can have, um, so say you have a, a Boolean, so just a true or false, mm-hmm. and you have another Boolean, and you want to say if this is true, then this one becomes true. Yeah. So you could write that if this is true, then this one becomes true and yep. end it. But another way to write that is just this one will become the other one. Oh, okay. If you follow what I'm mm-hmm. saying. So it becomes simpler to mm-hmm. read and less code to write. Yep. You're down to one line instead of three. Is that just simpler to read or is there advantages to the computer running it as well with that? It's If there's any advantages, it's hardly at all. Okay. So... See, at, at, yeah, I don't know. I, we've done a little bit of testing, like on timing on of speed. things, yeah, things yeah. like that. But I mean, that's it's so so minuscule. Okay. Well, that was. I was going to ask you about this. I don't know if you, if you can answer it or not. And I don't know if it's. I don't know enough to know if it's related to what you were talking about with your, um, the amount of data that, that the the one core processor or whatever yeah, yep. it was runs um but something that you run into occasionally in physics calculations mm-hmm. in programming is you get a more accurate more yeah more accurate answer sometimes in taking an integral or something in in calculus by running through a loop more times like making right. your your um your yeah, just the, the, the more you can split an interval up into the sm- smaller pieces, more pieces, right. so smaller pieces, yep. um, the more accurate your answer is going to be. But you have to sometimes, you'll do so many times running through a loop, like if you'd run through it 10 billion times, yep. it actually will take longer for the computer right. to run that. Yep. Is that something that you guys are thinking about in, in developing your programs? Yeah, so code okay. efficiency is definitely a okay. big thing, especially because um, we're running so close to... Well, we're at 75% on our right. largest project. Okay, so, so that right. does all contribute to? Yeah, so that? yeah, so code efficiency is definitely something you think about, and we, we try to um, keep down. So the example of, of um, <clears throat> what you're saying about a loop, mm-hmm. so we, and what I was saying about how we do conveyors in a loop yeah. so that you just make the array size bigger. If you just increase that array size a, a bunch and it's conveyors you don't actually have, yeah. Um, then you're executing a whole bunch of code that will never ever do anything. So the code's still running even though right. it's not connected to a physical. Correct. So yeah, that's that's yeah. a very simple code efficiency that you try to avoid. Okay. You don't use array position one and array position eight. Yeah. You use one and two, two and, yeah. and then that's where you end the array. Right. Or so okay. that type so you don't want to have just I don't know if empty code is the right, right word, but yep. um, things that aren't doing anything yep. in it. Okay. Yeah, and that's a very simple example, but there's other things like that where you can have code that gets executed but doesn't do anything. Yeah. So. And so you said that there's hundreds of ways to do 
things. I don't know if there's that many, but there's often For, multiple ways to do a yep. process. Yep. And there's probably one's going to be more efficient than the other. Sometimes, um, but okay, not nice. always. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, so uh, I was wondering if you, if you're trying to always think about, okay, how can I make our general code more efficient? Or is that not really something you spend time? Yeah. Focused on? Um, more than efficiency. Um, I think about how to make it dynamic. So if something changes a little bit, then that I don't need to rework everything. Oh, so okay. like the whole example of, of um, a conveyor, um, adding another one. Mm -hmm. um, you try, you take that same concept into a whole bunch of different areas. So if the physical things change, if they want to add another one like this, or if they, mm -hmm. whatever, then how can I write my code now that it becomes very little work to change it in the future? Okay. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, this is a very, very simple question, but has your typing gotten faster since you <laughs> started coding? <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, were you already a fast typer before you started or not? Yeah. I don't know what you call fast okay. over. I consistently, I think I could do 50 words a minute. Okay. I don't know, but see, I don't know if I have gotten a lot faster because, um, IntelliSense. So I don't know if you have that, if you've experienced that at all, but it's like you start typing a variable and it auto completes for you. If oh, you hit tab. okay. So that is a huge thing. Oh, that, nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Use all the time mm -hmm. is, so you start typing, then you hit tab and then, and yeah, copy and paste some things and whatever. So it's pretty rare that I, it's not like I'm just like looking at a word document and typing, yeah. trying to get speed. It's always, yeah from the top of your head, kind of like what you're thinking. Yeah. And so. Oh, great. Do you, um, have you gotten any equipment or, um, like any hardware to make your coding better or uh, do you just use a regular computer? Um, like what our PLC code runs on, you mean, or no, just I was just meaning for your, yeah, your own for, personal. Um, no. So like at home? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. But most of what I do is um, through a VPN to work. Okay. So actually my work computer is still doing most of the... Okay. No, I meant do you have like a special keyboard? Oh, or... that away. Yeah. No, I don't. Just... I don't even have special mice. Um, really, I have... I have a normal mouse. I have linked like the additional buttons to like page up and page down. Oh, so that going cool. through code, <laughs> it totally becomes what you get used to. Though. It does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. I just think about if there's, it would be possible to probably get into all kinds of yeah. setup things and what you multiple what, monitors is a must. Yeah. 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 No, I've, uh, I've with, um, classes being online, Mm -hmm. I finally brought out my monitor that I hadn't been using for a couple of yeah. years because you need to like to read a textbook or something on, yep. or have a class going and then have your regular computer. I, yep. I find that finally forced me to <laughs> have more than one monitor. It's mm -hmm. really nice. Yeah. Anything else that you were going to talk about or wanted to say on uh programming side before we get to some of my miscellaneous questions here? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. I don't know if, if, uh, everyone's interested in this but it seems like in the last couple of years in in yeah maybe in the general 
um, culture, society, there's been this talk about AI and artificial intelligence. And I'm somewhat interested in this, and I think we've talked about it occasionally um, at the past. And I I don't know if you can, I think you told me you don't consider yourself an expert at all. And I, I don't either, so it's probably not worth listening to us much on this, but I thought it'd be, I, I just enjoy talking, hearing, discussing uh, different ideas on it. So I thought I'd, I'd um, throw a few questions out to you and, yep. and see what you, what you think or from what your experience, what you've observed. So um, yeah, please no one take too much uh, uh, from this or um, go, go research it, look it up yourself. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it'd be fun to talk about it for a few minutes. So you do programming is a, uh, have you gotten into artificial intelligence at all in, in your work? Or is that not, do those, um, those two domains not intersect at all? Not really. Okay. Um, so I think like one, it depends what you call artificial intelligence. So um, one way I can think of that um, we use is, um, so when you're, when you're um, batching like into a scale, mm-hmm. then <clears throat> obviously... You can't just stop it when you get to your target because some will still fall. Okay. And the bigger the auger, um, the more will fall. Mm-hmm. Or the um, the heavier the product, the more weight you'll be off by, right? Right. Depending yeah. what product it is. Um, so different things like that. So you have to you have to try to predict where you're when you're going to stop. Yeah. So that your free fall amount um, hits your target. Mm-hmm. So um, there we do um, we we have a learning thing mm-hmm. so it, it learns from from previous times or whatever okay so that it'll predict um it'll get smarter and smarter so the when you first start up a mill um usually your tolerance like your way out on mm-hmm. some of your weights and it starts getting better and better so that type of thing um is maybe it might kind of fall under the category of like narrow ai like yeah i think it just, does because yeah. it's, it's it's a dynamic program kind of yeah like you learn it it'd be it'd fall under um i don't know i guess you're learning from past results Mm -hmm. so but is that all is it written in that to take these weights and um and then that depending on what the weight is is that going to change when it stops it like is that all written in to respond to how much it's overweight or so it just it only learns based on previous experience right so if it's a um if you were to change products in the bin to a lighter product or something then it would have to relearn again yeah but you're not you're not looking at you're not a human's not looking at that data and then no resetting the the parameters themselves it's but something needs to be pre-programmed ahead of time to to respond to those yeah 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 you have to look you have to do a check basically on past results and mm-hmm. make a change okay yeah. so that's all done by ahead code. of time that it yep. that it responds on its own yep. and, yeah 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 so i guess yeah that's kind of an, an element that's that's used is that is that what your understanding of of artificial intelligence is or is it more than that you said it's a, a fairly narrow part of it yeah maybe? so i think like generally i like if if you're just talking to people like me who know very little about AI and you just say AI, Mm -hmm. um, you start thinking about like intelligent, like a human. Right. And I don't think anything like that exists yet. Right. It doesn't, nothing quite to that extent. Um, but things go far beyond what we do in, um, 
in like the same way, but just way larger data sets and coming oh, okay. up with way more complex things. So um, I think one type of AI would be um, supervised learning. So that would be like there's a picture um, mm -hmm. of a dog and then there will be a, like a person that says dog mm -hmm. for that picture. And then <clears throat> it will try to, AI will take that picture and find the dog on it, try to, mm -hmm. and then find similar pictures like that. And so then it, it's learned what a dog looks like or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the more different styles of dogs that somebody's entered dog in for, the smarter it becomes. Right. So um, <clears throat> that type of thing um, would be like a supervised, um, an unsupervised way, like where it just learns on, it o on its own, I think would be trying to look for, um, you might have things that look like categorized data. So okay. like your Google News Feed, when you're scrolling mm -hmm. through um, similar headlines are grouped together or, or things about similar events or okay. whatever, right? So I think that's probably done with AI. It's just looking through articles and yeah, combining them based on. Yeah. Did, from your, so I asked this to you just from your experience and what yeah. how you've, you have a better understanding of how computers work or how programs can be written for computers than I do. Do you think that artificial intelligence as it is now is more than just sophisticated programming and really good programming or is it is it moved into a different category? So <laughs> I I don't I don't feel like I know enough to answer okay, that. That's fine. Um I it goes way beyond what I know about programming. Right, yeah. So um <clears throat> there's like there's things called neural networks. So um one thing about PLC programming is it's um, it's very defined, like the same things happen every time. Right, yeah. Whereas AI programming starts to, um, different things happen based, like it starts assigning um, value to different things. Oh, okay. So when I get an input in the PLC programming, I treat it for what it is. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> different AI, I think, starts assigning value to inputs okay. and then doing different things based on what value it was assigned. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know. It goes beyond what I know. Yeah. It goes beyond programming I do, but Right. But I don't think it's anywhere like the the general AI where you just have where it where it uh, yeah. And then it, you start getting into the question of what is intelligence yeah. and how do you <laughs> how do you quantify it yeah. and and it's, uh, it's it's yeah, it can get kind of hard to talk about. Um so you you mentioned a few ways. Have you seen um, advantages to it, to AI. I mean, you talked about the way that a system can kind of learn um, within yours, and I think there's there's real benefit if the computer can be doing the yeah. the learning and uh, and get better at making some judgment calls. I guess have you seen instances of that? Um, I can't think of anything really offhand. Um, yeah, at some point. Again, it's kind of hard to know what's just programming and what's AI. Have, yeah. you, have you ever driven a car with um, like adaptive cruise control? No, I have nothing very so, smart. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have anything very smart. I have driven something Okay. Um, that was a little bit like that. I don't know how. But yeah, so that or where it kind of like jiggles the steering wheel if you go mm -hmm. over a line or something like that. So um, I've driven something like that, but I don't own anything like that. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, that would probably use at least some... The more complex ones would use AI for vision vision recognition. Okay. Um, so. Yeah. Fascinating. 
Yeah, I don't know if you have any more to say on that. Um, and I put down the question here of, do you have interesting facts or stories to share? Um, and you you shared a few facts there, so I don't know if you'd covered all the ones that you wanted to, but is there anything you wanted to, um, stories you wanted to share or things that you found interesting that you want to talk about yet before we end it? Um, no, I, I don't think really. Um, I'll say this about um, starting. Well, one thing about our job that I really like mm -hmm. is the... Um, the variety. So mm. a lot of programmers, I think, if you program in Python, then that's what you program. Mm. Like that. mm -hmm. So yeah. we get into, I've programmed in, well, structured text is the PLC, VBScript is our one, HMI, T-SQL is, is database, um, and then now starting into um, the other HMI would be like things in C-sharp and the web languages, so okay. um, JavaScript or TypeScript and HTML and CSS. So I, I love that variety. And I yeah. think that's pretty rare that a programmer gets to, to use that kind of, ver yeah, gets okay. that exposure. No, um, well. One other thing I'll say um, just about, as I think about talking through this, when I started at Camar, I didn't know about anything that we yeah. um, talked about here. And um, there were times at work where I almost fell asleep. I was getting like, more sleep than I normally do. Like I think at least eight hours a night. Okay. And it was just brain overload wow. where it was, <laughs> I'd be at work and I'd be almost drifting off and be like, come on, that's not who I am. <laughs> but, um, so it is, it is a big, it was a big learning curve yeah. for me. Um, but I really enjoy it. So that's great. Well, that it does wear us out to learn new things. Absolutely. They, you, uh, I read it one read somewhere. I think it was when I was um, reading a book on teaching, and it was re reminding us on um, many teachers how much their students are being worn down with the new information that mm -hmm. they're getting throughout a day. And it gave us the it gave the example of when you're on a trip, you, you can sometimes be be getting as much sleep or more sleep than you normally do, but you'll be really tired, mm -hmm. and that's just your brain taking in all the new sights and. Uh, new cultures and and um yeah just so many things out of the routine that you're not used to and so that it really wears you out so that's that's fascinating that you noticed it that yeah you, you got it's... sleepier on the job than you are now or <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely that's, than i am now and it amazing. wasn't there was another guy that started same time as me and i could tell with him too like the first couple <laughs> months it was yeah it's just it was an overload <laughs> yeah I uh, I didn't put this question on, so if uh, if you can't think of anything, um, that's fine. But do you have any advice for someone that's trying to learn how to code, learn how to write programs to just starting out with it since you, you've had that experience? Yeah. Um, I think there's a ton of um, online things about coding yeah and i mentioned it before but w3 schools is a free okay um, one which gives you um a good yeah a good overview and actually goes pretty in depth and in, in some Neat. of the programming languages and that's free is that the one that you yep, said is free that okay. one's free <clears throat> so um that would be a good place to start um another good thing to think about is what you want to do um as a programmer mm. and then and then look into what languages are 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 common oh, yeah. in that in that application or whatever um with that um once you learn one it is definitely the second and third and stuff come easier so some but, of those concepts will right. carry through any and, programming and it, language. the more complicated one that you 
the more complicated of one that you'll learn, um, the farther it'll take you in the next one you try to learn, I suppose, okay. or whatever. So um, some of the ones that we didn't get into, I talked about how ours runs on one core. Mm -hmm. um, so in C-sharp, you can start multi-threading things, and so then you have to start making things thread-safe, that it actually, um, something runs here and you don't, mess that up by running it on a different core or whatever oh, okay. like that so um i don't know very much about that but it's um yeah something to think about it think about what you want to do as a mm -hmm. programmer before you just start looking into different languages all right well that's great and yeah thanks for for teaching me so much and uh putting up with my many questions and, <laughs> and it's been uh, fun good yeah i'm glad uh, glad you were able to to come and share what you do so thank you Thank you everyone for listening and thank you Jamie for sharing your knowledge with us. I love learning new things about systems and how they work and so I was quite fascinated to learn about a little bit about feed mill systems and about the computer programs that run them. So thank you Jamie for sharing those things with us. I also was fascinated by the fact that Jamie learned computer programming on the job and didn't go to school specifically for computer science or computer programming to learn the things that, that he knows to be able to do his job. What that tells me is, especially with the, some of the websites that he talked about, which I've included on the everydayexpertise.ca website, if you go to this episode, you can find links to, to those websites there. It is possible to learn computer programming on your own. If you have a desire to just learn something new for interest's sake, or you'd like to expand your skills to maybe find a new career or something like that, you definitely can pick up and learn computer programming on your own, and there's plenty of resources out there available to help you with that. So, I, uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about programming, go ahead and, and uh, go explore it on your own. If you'd like to connect with me, you can send me an email at contact at everydayexpertise.ca. I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast up to this point, and to hear if you have suggestions about topics that you'd like to hear me talk about so, to someone about or if you have a specific uh, a suggestion for someone that you'd like to have on thank you to those of you that have given suggestions so far and i'd love to hear more from more of you if you if you'd like to share that's all for now join me again next week to learn from the expertise of everyday people